Hi everybody, uh, it's Rachel, unsurprisingly, you can probably tell. Um, just jumping on to uh, give you a bit of exciting news. Um, basically what's happened is that Ilford have uh, asked me to deliver some educational workshops um, online. So uh, the first one, episode one, which is on Dodge and Burn, actually went out as a premiere uh, yesterday on YouTube so there's going to be more in the series but for now uh, at least there's one there that you can go and have a little watch and listen to um, and uh, see the inside of the Ilford dark room so if you go to uh, Ilford um, Ilford's YouTube channel basically you'll find me on there and I have to say one of the most probably nerve-wracking moments of my life watching it uh, go live yesterday um, but uh, it was absolutely brilliant and I'm totally honoured to have been asked by Ilford to to do this so hope you guys enjoy it and uh, yeah shoot film be nice <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. My name is Aid, and you are listening to show 194 and I'll be honest it's not quite the show we planned <laughs> but we are rallying as only we can and uh, all three of us are here and we're going to make the best of this situation. Rach how you doing? Hey yes as you say, Aid, you know, obviously we're very disappointed that we uh, we weren't able to go to the photography show and and do all the fantastic things that we got planned with that and uh, and and then obviously we tried to bring bring in to play uh, a plan B that didn't quite happen either but it's for the best you know we have to um, be uh, you know we we're rebels sometimes but we have to also be a little responsible too so uh, never mind we're here and we can uh, record our podcasts from. Uh, three points of the of the country still um so they're not stopping us doing that at least which is great it, it is one thing that you're allowed to do at home isn't it Make exactly <laughs> <laughs> and uh and of course um all three of us are here so pewdiepie how are you <laughs> <laughs> that's me look at my millions i'm rolling around in i'm doing very well thank you i'm just i'm you know i'm just happy to be here with my two favorite pod people um Yay. you know never mind what we did get to do it's just nice to be here it's monday evening this is where we should be sat around our microphones safely isolated from the rest of the world it's all good yes. it's all good um and I, no i have you be pleased no i haven't let the fame my youtube fame go to my head just yet <laughs> are we going to talk about that now for listeners that we're not aware or are we going to leave that one just as a teaser for later uh, in the conversation well, like i said we've got an email about it later we'll leave it to them <laughs> what a okay great we've got an is it an email of complaint <laughs> <laughs> it may be <laughs> <laughs> this is, of course, another consequence. Actually, it's not really a consequence, but another factor is we've got no show notes. So I have no idea what's on all these emails that Graham's going to share with us. So we, we've, we've pulled together a show. We're going to have a bit of a chat. We're going to catch up on some emails because there wasn't a backing paper this week. Uh, we're going to, to fill in the gaps where there was going to be tons and tons of, of really rich content around the photography show. Um, and uh, yeah, well, 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 we'll go from there. I mean, it's uh, I really missed out this weekend. I've sat at home. You know, everything cancelled. I was, I was a bit, I was a bit upset about that. I was looking forward to catching everybody up, and I was especially mm. looking forward to doing a live podcast. So uh, yeah, in an auditorium with 
Fifteen hundred people? No, maybe not. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> 50, 50, somewhere between fifteen and fifteen hundred. Yeah. <laughs> so, what did you do with your weekend? I mean, because that's the thing. I, I think we're all thinking about a little bit. Um, is if you're at home and you maybe got some forced uh, quiet time that you weren't anticipating having, as we had this weekend, what did you do with your time? Did you, did it inspire you to go? You know what? I'm going to do something creative. I did almost three fifths of bugger all. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think I quite made the whole three fifths. <laughs> You've got to pace yourself with these things. Uh, you do, you do, you do. And um, what did we do? I know it was. Um, I mean, yeah. The, the the rest of the family. I I was supposed to be away at the photo show, but the rest of the mm. family just had their normal weekend. So I just mucked in, ferried the kids around, hung out. Um, you know, yeah, and, and relaxed a bit. Yeah, we the the weather down here wasn't good enough to go out and thoroughly enjoy it. So um, did a few chores around the house. You know, stuff weekend stuff. Uh, not very creative at all, I'm afraid. What about you? Well, I, I was. Bit, let's go to Rach first because I was probably more busy than anybody <laughs> else was. Rach, you. So obviously you'd had planned a super busy weekend doing demonstrations and so on and so forth and for the, like, yeah. the four days um, and suddenly you get a free weekend you weren't anticipating <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you don't get very many free weekends do you? No that's true I do not I do not um, it, basically I had um, a 49 day straight run through of work <sighs> every single day so this was my first day unexpectedly that I was like oh apparently I'm not working today <laughs> what on earth do i do with myself it was really very very weird um i went and did a, a good thorough deep clean of around the house <laughs> um i was like this is a good time to do it uh, as any I, I went outside to pick up all the bits of rubbish that blown around because of the storms that we've had and obviously the um uh, the wind being really bad and things and then bless my neighbors came over and went don't mean to be rude, but I've got some secateurs. Would you? I've just been pruning the hedge. Um, would you like a hand with yours? I was like, yeah, great, go for your life. So, uh, so she came over with her secateurs and and uh, basically uh, trimmed it all down, and it's all looking great now. So, uh, yeah, that it was very productive, um, productive in a way that I wasn't expecting it to be. And I now have half a privet hedge in my backyard, but. <laughs> Because I was like, I don't know where I'm going to put all this stuff. Um, Normally you'd throw it over your neighbour's fence, but I guess if she helped you <laughs> cut it down. Well, you see, the thing is with Liverpool, we don't really have gardens uh, here anyway. Uh, I live in like a Victorian terrace. So you have like a, a small yard sort of space. We've got public um, park just like six houses down but um in terms of actually like having greenery to get rid of <laughs> that's not that's not usual um for me so uh so yeah it was it was a funny kind of like moment and then and then our other neighbor came over and we ended up kind of having like this on the middle of the street party kind of chat catch up thing all stood two meters apart obviously <laughs> uh, just to make sure um but yeah it was actually quite quite lovely and uh yeah so th- so that was kind of my weekend that and uh cleaning out um trays and um my developing tanks and things from the previous weekend's workshop that I'd done and forgotten about um because I packed it all up and brought it home and then suddenly realized that I hadn't washed it out so <laughs> had to do that and um also getting uh, uh getting notification that my 
uh, article was going to be up for Lomography today. So that was oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you got a lovely article on Lomography. Um, everybody go to Lomography.com. It is .com, isn't it? Not actually bringing it because I was literally just looking at Lomography.com <laughs> yes, forward slash magazine. If you just yes. Google it, look, Google Lomo you... Women Rachel Brewster of Little Vintage Photography, you'll find yeah. it. And it's a great article. Um and got loads of much. your lovely artwork on there and the artwork that you've been involved with, Rach. Loads of amazing science that you've worked on with some of the groups you've done. Yeah, it's just fabulous. Yeah. Different pro- projects and things and uh, public workshops and things over over the uh, the last couple of years and what have you. So, yeah, it was really I was really honoured to be asked to write for, for this because it's part of um, uh, Women's History Month um, this month. Um, and... Uh, and actually, it came out today, which is Monday, so that's the sixteenth of March, which is Anna Atkins's two hundred and twenty-first birthday. Oh wow! Um, okay. So it was kind of quite quite lovely and serendipitous. Serendipitous. I'm not sure, um, but yeah, it was a it was a lovely kind of coincidence that it worked out that it it was um, released today. But yeah, I got an email saying oh, it will be out be out on uh, the 16th so uh, I was looking forward to to seeing that pop up today so that was very cool and um, yeah nice to have been asked to to do that by Hannah at Lomography and um, obviously I did the other one for International Women's Day which is earlier in the month so yeah it's been it's been a busy time um, and uh, yeah just uh, kind of cool to sort of see it all together as a little article and stuff so that was dead nice yeah it's really <laughs> nice to see Rach yeah, and especially, you know, with everything having been cancelled, because last year, of course, we would have been, I was at the photographer show doing some demos and, and what have you, cyanotype demos and things, so um, on Anna's birthday then, so it was, it was kind of a nice way at least to feel like it was being marked still this year, so that was good. So that's been my weekend, really. So yeah, so cleaning, um, hedge trimming, um, uh, anticipation for an article coming out, and uh, a surprise at like, oh gosh, what 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 do normal people do <laughs> on a weekend day? I don't really know. <laughs> oh, I watch some Poirot. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, there you go. That, that's Can't what go normal people do. Then, they watch yeah. Poirot. Yeah, exactly. There we go. That was me. So go on then, Graham. Tell us about yours. Okay, so I've had I definitely had the most um, fun packed weekend, at least in terms of photography stuff. So um, the. Uh, First thing, so, um, and I've, I've talked about this at length. I, in fact, I put a whole podcast out about this um, on Saturday, um, so I'm not going to talk about it in any sort of length. But um, Steve Lloyd from Chroma, uh, he sent me down his one of his new, uh, I say one of, I think it is the one and only production model he's made so far of his snapshot camera. Um, the purple one. This is the purple one, yeah. This is the um, one that's yes, built for, um, yeah, for walking around and, you know, the the kind of, well, it's a snapshot camera, but before by five film. Um, he sent me that down, and the idea originally was that I was going to take it to the photo walk on Saturday so I could shoot it and show people and demonstrate it and people could have a look at it and then give it back to Steve on the Sunday. And obviously these things all fell through, but Steve sent it down anyway because by that point he'd put it in a box. He's like, well, damn it, I've done all that work. I may as well post it down. So, um uh, I thought, well, if I've got this thing, I'm going to go and have a play with it, which is exactly what I did on Saturday. I uh, went out to work in the morning because I thought, well, <laughs> I ought to do some work. I spent quite a lot of the week uh, not doing work, just moping around, feeling <laughs> sad about the kind of talk show. So I needed to catch up a bit. Um, and then went and took some pictures with it. 
and came mm-hmm. home and developed those in the evening and I said recorded a few bits. Um I said if you want to hear more about the snap snapshot the snapshot the snapshot <laughs> uh, <laughs> the um snapshot camera listen to the snapshot of a snapshot camera podcast which I put out on Saturday. Um but long story short, yeah I really liked it. It's a really nice fun camera to use and I think it's a great um entry point if you want to give four by five a go. Um for me, uh because I um, I like the process of shooting 4x5 as much as anything. I like kind of going well, you out. You don't have to go through a whole roll of film, do you? It's one no. shot at a time. So no, exactly. It's perfect for you, I think. Yeah, and, and, and I enjoy kind of going out and setting everything up and fussing around with the tilt and the rise. <laughs> and all. Um, I just enjoy that as an experience. So mm. um, I really loved using the snapshot, but it's kind of not... What I mean, I'd love to own one if it was just like, oh yeah, sure, you know, I've got the money to have all the cameras, but I don't. Um, so, but what I did buy, because as well as the snapshot uh, this week, Steve also launched the Carbon Adventurer camera, um, which is his like premium field camera because it's made out of carbon fiber. So I made. Have... So is this is this like the Chroma, the the original Chroma, but made of carbon fiber instead of acrylic? Yes, yeah, basically. Okay. I think there's a couple yeah. of other little tweaks as well, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. basically that. Um, and uh, so I may have bought or ordered one of those, paid for and ordered Ooh. one of those. <gasps> so, Ooh, I know. That's... So you've got your Intrepid, and you've now got a carbon fi- a carbon fibre grain. Blimey! <laughs> yes, I, I I will be I probably will be looking to move the Intrepid on because I I've really I've enjoyed having the Intrepid yeah. over the mm-hmm. last year. Um, and the Intrepid was for me. That was my great way of getting in and seeing is is large format photography a thing I actually I want to do, and it certainly is. Um, but I thought, actually, I want I want something to just I want something to step up from the Intrepid. And mm. when I met Steve um, last year at John Whitmore's, we were chatting away, and I was going, "Yeah, you should make something super cool, and you know, it'd be great that." And if you did that, I'd definitely buy one. And then he did that, and I was like, <laughs> "I remember well, I... that conversation actually." And he actually just went, "Yeah, sure," because you know, if you say something like that to Steve, he's like, "Let's do it. I'm on it." <laughs> yeah. So you know, at the end of the day, it's time to. As I've said to a couple of people, "Time for me to put my money where my big fat mouth is." Steve made it. I said I'd buy it. So um, unfortunately, I had been kind of saving up since then because I thought I bet he's going to make this thing. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And yes, I will be looking to sell the Intrepid on just to uh, get some money to go towards that. Um, so I don't when think I need do you take delivery? No, I guess not. Maybe not. What's that, when do you Rachel? take delivery of your new one? Um, well, the lead time on them is 12 weeks. I think that's what Steve's mm-hmm. aiming for. So not too long. I can wait. Perfect. That's okay. It's yeah, when exactly. you'll come out of isolation. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that was that. Um, I also had, um, like, so we'll talk about what I did on Sunday in a little bit. Um, <laughs> but I had another delivery turn up on Saturday. Um, and this is another camera that has been sent to me. Uh, and this is another very cool camera that's been sent to me. I'm not going to talk about it at great length because I've only just started flexing around with it. But Aid, I think that potentially this could be something that's of interest to you. So, oh, what I've got, well, I mean, you know, potentially. <laughs> there's, there's caveats that mean it might kind of not be of interest to you. So, <laughs> what? So Doing what, well so far. <laughs> yeah. So, what this is, this is the Kraken camera uh, that's being like made. Like the room. Uh, like the room or like the deep sea monster. I was going to yeah. say, yeah, it's, it's, it's a deep sea monster, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. But I'm sure yes. that's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, 
This is a 3D printed camera that's been designed and being made by Graham Young, who's the host of the Homemade Camera Podcast. Um, Graham got in touch and said, oh, you know, you have me sending one of these over. We actually, he originally said, I could send you the files and you could print it yourself. I have no access to a 3D printer. I don't know anybody anywhere near me, who, unfortunately, who's got one. Mm. So he very kindly printed it off and made it for me and sent it over. So this is a 3D printed camera um, that you mount your own large format lens on the front of. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the bit where I think it might be of interest to you, Aid, is the uh, aspect ratio. This is a 6 by 12 camera. So oh, you've got that two to, one, two to one ratio um, with potentially, I mean, you know, I've got my I've got my large format lens on the front there. That's a really nice piece of glass. Um, and um, oh, hang on, one, one second. Just, oh, OK. No, nope, it's gone. It's all right. Don't worry. <laughs> where has gone, Graham? OK, okay. so That's OK, fine. so I'm intrigued so far, Rach. Mm, I know, right? <laughs> So I didn't, uh, I obviously, um, I knew that Graham was, um, other Graham, <laughs> Graham, inventor Graham, um, was creating something, but I didn't realise that he'd actually printed it off and built it and sent it to him. So that's exciting. Um, yeah, it was, the idea I think is that you'd be able to kind of create your own from it. So I don't know if it came with bellows or, or how it's going to work. Um, oh, right, okay. whether it's got that as well, or maybe, maybe not, I don't know. Um, in terms of 4x5, have you shot anything 4x5 before, large format? Is that something that you've dabbled in? It's, it's not, no. It's um, I, I quite like the idea of a 4x5 point and shoot. <laughs> yeah, so you can just have, put your handle on one side and literally take it out, you know, kind of in your in your bag or... I don't know if you quite get it in your pocket, but you know, definitely in a bag. How big are your pockets? Um, sorry about that, guys. That's um, all right. Everything uh, okay? Yeah, yeah, no, everything's fine. Everything is fine. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah, just thinking about was, this camera, wasn't I? Just talking about Aid and whether he'd actually ever done any four by five shooting, large format shooting mm. before, and he said he's not, but he's intrigued as to what's happening with this camera. Yeah, well, I said the nice thing with this is I get some of the benefits of sh of shooting four by five, certainly in terms of what lens you can use. Um, but it's six by twelve. So it's it's a roll film camera. Um, oh, okay. And. Um, I, so Graham, uh, in along with this, he sort of sent a couple of other bits in the box, um, some of his older cameras that he's made. He made a 35mm tiny little pinhole camera last year and a lumen box camera. And um, and the pinhole camera was the first one of his that I'd seen. Uh, and the quality difference, in just in terms of everything between that, that pinhole camera that he made last year and this Kraken is amazing. This Kraken is... A really quite cool looking camera um it's really well made uh it's um it looks a bit like uh, i've got cameras on i've got pictures on my instagram feed on my okay. story at the moment i think um mm -hmm. um but it kind of it looks a bit like the head of a robot from uh, star wars <laughs> it, 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 it definitely has a bit of a star wars feel to it so, nice. so i've got my large format lens on the front um it's got which lens have you got graham just so, um for anybody who's not sure about different lenses and things for large format so i've got a 150 millimeter lens on this it's a, a what is it it's a simar s uh lens schneider simar s lens um it's just a fine very you know it's like a it's the nifty 50 kind of equivalent mm -hmm. for um large format um and yeah i looked at i'm i put it together I had to do a bit of calibrating there's all quite nice things about it actually is that um 
you can because 3D printing is precise to a point, but you, you have to kind of do a bit of adjusting. You get to know your camera a little bit, so I need to put in some shims so it focus properly. It's all super easy stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I'm genuinely... What shims, Graham? Just to uh, explain for listeners who've not come across it. Sure. So um, if you can imagine, so the, the basic structure of this camera is a body where the film sits in, then a cone, uh, which is what gives you the correct length for the lens of the camera. Then there's a helicoid, which is a, um, a round thing. that Basically, that's what you use to focus. You turn it to focus. Mm-hmm. So, that, so there's no then, bellows. No bellows, exactly. Mm. The cone the cone replaces the distance of the bellows, the bellows and yeah. the helicoid is what gives you the ability to adjust the focusing. Um, okay. And then the lens goes into that. Um, but getting the distance from the lens to the plane, the film plane just right, is really difficult to do. So the shims are just thin cut pieces that go in between the helicoid and the cone and there are also some shims that you can put between the cone and the body to adjust mm. that distance if you need to. So, so Are we yeah, talking nice. like parts of millimetre thick yes. kind of idea? Yeah, exactly. I, I, like if you were building your own pinhole camera, you might use something uh, like brass shim or aluminium shim basically. So uh, if you, which you can get, but obviously a, like an aluminium can works really well you know for handmade homemade very quick mm. kind of like jobby um but it's it's called shim as well so i just wanted to double check it was the same kind of thing basically. Yeah, yeah yeah um yeah so i said i've i got it set up this morning um i've got some film in here and i've just been taking it out today it's got kind of just a, a basic um plastic printed viewfinder on the top to kind of give you an idea so what i had to do before i headed out this morning was i put a bit of tracing paper once i had the back off i put a bit of tracing paper mm-hmm. on the film plane so i could look through it check focus up mm-hmm. yeah exactly check that the check where the um focus and I, and I made a few marks then just using a marker pen on mm-hmm. The helicoid, so that I, when I was out, okay, okay, if I'm that far away, I'll move it to that mark, and and you know, it's basically like zone focusing. Um, mm, very cool. Yeah, you know, I was looking at a cereal packet the other day, and <laughs> as you do when you're like, oh, yeah, um, and I was looking at the inner bag of a cereal packet, uh-huh. and and I was thinking, ah, oh, actually, these are quite good. I wonder if they work as ground glass. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or is yeah, and I was like, hmm, that that could be an interesting thing. Maybe the, maybe there's a way of making it. So I'm thinking, cereal packet camera, like for the bot for the body, and then the inner bag to be the kind of like ground glass bit mm. for focusing. Maybe in some way. Anyway, um, you use tracing paper, obviously. Yeah, well, actually, I think it was baking paper because <laughs> it didn't have any paper. tracing paper, but also it kind of it, it worked. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. worked well enough. Um, so yeah, so I haven't finished putting a roll through it first. I'm fully expecting that the first roll is not going to be great because it's going to be me sighting in, figuring out exactly how the framing mm. works, and you know stuff like that. But you know, it's interesting, and um, I think the, uh, so. Graham's planning to sell these. I'm going to do more futzing around with it, and I'm sure I'll speak to Graham nearer the time. But I think he's planning on starting selling these. I think about April the 16th um, on his website, um, which is frozenphoton.com, I think. Um, you can go on there. He's got loads of videos and stuff like that. It's great. Um, but I know that certainly he's going to have the files on there for $30. And I don't think the cost of printing it is very high. Um, and then you just need to get the screws and stuff. Um, yeah, and it's it's well it. So, I mean, something like this, Aid, because um, I, I know you love that cinematic format. Could that kind of thing be of interest to you? 
uh, I, I think it's I, I'm trying to build a mental image of it as you describe it, actually. And it, it does it does sound interesting. I think the, the these things are not the, ch- the challenge I always have. Uh, and of course, that might be going away with the current situation is that it's, it's just simply time to, to mm. do these things. So, yeah, if I if I was to have some way to, to manufacture some time, you know, maybe if I was stuck in a house or something. <laughs> yeah. Then then. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, I do. It's, Is there an option to not have to build it yourself, Graham? Yeah, I think um, looking at the website, these are going to be options. So I think you can either get the files, I think you can order the parts from mm-hmm. Graham, or you'll be able to order the parts from Graham and he'll send them to you, or you can get him to actually do as he's done for me, make up the camera, send it to you, and then you you tell him what lens cool. you need to print out. So, yeah. So um, I'm just thinking that's probably something that, uh, for you know, what I know of aid. You, for you people, for, for me, and for people, and for people yeah. like me as well, because yeah, yeah, sure. I am, I am hardly one of a kind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in in uh, yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of people out there who are interested in perhaps mm-hmm. you know experimenting with the camera, but but are not into the whole uh, you know the 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 make a bit that comes with it necessarily. Yeah, you know. all the options. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, I think um, having now seen it and having it here. Um, I would certainly, well, if you don't have access to a 3D printer, I certainly think that the prospect of ordering the parts to put it together, especially the parts come with like the bolts that you need the right stuff, I think that would be very doable. It looks <laughs> significantly easier to put together than the Lomography Constructor camera, <laughs> which is a real, I mean, that's not high praise because the Lomography Constructor camera is a nightmare. Um, but no, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm genuinely really quite impressed by this so far. And like I said, I, I been out having some fun with it today um and we'll see because the only problem i've got at the moment with it is that um i actually need to get so so i've got a 150 millimeter lens on 120 roll film so aid you're better at this stuff than me what kind of focal length do you reckon that's giving me equivalence wise uh 150 lens um yeah, well it's if about it's 70 80 mil equivalent on 35 maybe even a bit longer a bit longer than that probably because uh, wait to put in in uh, so, no hang on is it it's 12 centimeters wide isn't it yeah but so only six that, centimeters high so yeah but so well well often often yes uh, often the thing that people look for in an equivalence is, is a similar horizontal angle of view isn't it so mm-hmm. yes it'll be its vertical angle of view will be yeah it will, will be different because that it's horizontal angle of view if you see what i mean because of the aspect ratio of it mm. so if you're shooting 150 over a 12 centimeter i mean that's that's going to be fairly wide because if you were shooting it over a six centimeter like if it was a six four five type camera where you've got six wide you tend to sort of multiply by about one and a half for that so your bronica 75 mil is equivalent roughly to a 50 mil and this is probably nowhere near precise enough so, but if you were doing that, um, it's probably going to be a normal lens. It's probably going to be an equivalent to, to to roughly to a fifty mil, somewhere in that order of magnitude. Anyway, because if you think about mm. it, a, a, a Bronica seventy-five mil lens shoots over a six centimeter width, um, and and comes out roughly normal. And you, but you're, what you're doing is you're doubling the width of the film you're covering, but then you are also doubling the focal length. Yeah, or is it on so, four by five? It's normal, so I, I think it's slightly longer than that. Um, but anyway, the, yeah, the, I think well, okay, maybe, maybe. Um, anyway, the point how, is, yeah, go on. Sorry, sorry, the point is, I haven't got sli- quite enough shim <laughs> to get. It. So my um, 
my closest at the moment the closest i can focus it is probably about eight feet away which isn't a problem for a lot of stuff because because like i said it is on the slightly longer side like i said i it, i mean i'll find out when i develop the pictures at the moment i'm kind of roughly based off but it feels like it's maybe more like 60 70 mil um oh, but okay. I okay but but like I said, once i get the pictures developed you know we'll find out sorry mm. rage Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, how, how many aluminium cans have you got? Maybe you could cut a few more up and, and flatten them out and use those as your shim. Yeah, that that's work? a good point. Uh, yeah, I, could, I, I just need to get better. I, um, I'd need to cut the shims quite precisely, but it's certainly mm. doable. I mean, it's, 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 it's all perfectly doable. It's a or work am I... in progress. Yeah, yeah let's but... try it out and see. Yeah, yeah but it, it's it's perfectly usable as it is now. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it, it it's good, um, and like I, said, I think it's quite nice having a camera where you do say, okay, I'm gonna I, I'm get a bit more hands on with it. It's got mm. three hot shoes on the top, so you three? could put in a uh, three. <laughs> well, that's right, it's three three cold shoes, not hot shoes. Um, oh, yeah. So you could put in like a spirit level or a rangefinder or mm. obviously a flash. Um, so yeah, it's it's fun. Like I said, I'm gonna play with it more over the next few weeks and mm. um, report back and let you know how I get on once I've actually developed one. Uh, Did it come the, with the little um, light meter? Because I knew that I know that Steve he mentioned that, but didn't he when um, when you spoke to the two Steves, um, the the chap who was inventing the little light, electronic light meter. Yeah, you absolutely could him. get one. Did you it, absolutely could. Did it use come one. with that or not? No. Oh, the snapshot. No, no, yeah. the snapshot didn't. Okay. Sadly, but um, okay. but no, I mean you could absolutely use. Yeah, I mean the, the, that light meter, the Reveni light meter, would be great for something like the snapshot or the Kraken. Um, yeah, and yeah. now it's got like three. If it's got three cold shoes, you could definitely chuck it on the top of the Kraken, couldn't you? That would be cool. Yeah. Um, quick question: uh, the Kraken. You mentioned obviously the ratio, um, and you said that it takes roll film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're talking one twenty, I guess, right? Yeah. 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 Um, as your standard roll film that you'd be able to easily access. Um, I'm just wondering, how many shots would you get on a roll? So Three? you get uh, six. No, you get six shots on it. Six. Okay. <laughs> Again, one of the great things. Uh, what I what I really like about this camera, and, you know, and having listened to Graham many times and sort of seen the evolution of his camera time, what I like about a lot of stuff with this camera that I've experienced so far is that I think of something. And then realised that Graham has already thought of it. Um, <laughs> so um, I was, um, like I said, I found when I was just putting it together, oh, this camera, like the, the, the close like a focus was like six metres away. I'm like, oh, that's pretty awkward. And it's like, oh, no, you need the shims. I've sent you some shims with it. Great. He's thought of that. Um, there's lugs. He's left lugs on here for a strap to go really nice and easy. Also, on the back... There's a place to put your film hold, you know, the like little end thing from end cap from the cut film, so you don't forget what film you're using. And on that, because six by twelve is um, the same as the undo that I've got, and I am always forgetting to roll it on past two numbers. So I've actually written on here one, three, five, <laughs> seven, nine, yeah. eleven. So I remember what numbers to roll into. Otherwise, I'll forget. Um, I'm shooting um, Graham very kindly. Sent me some film to use, and actually, uh, some ultra fine extreme 400. Because because I'm doing zone focusing, I want to have a, as much depth of field as possible to give me the best chance of getting stuff in frame. But um, yeah, like I said, I'll I'll keep you posted on how I get on with that. But uh, it's nice. And um, if you go to I think Frozen Photon or um, Graham Young Camera, you'll you'll find Graham's pictures of it and stuff like that. But yeah, it's if you want to do sort of. Uh, I don't know whether you say it's not really panoramic, is it? Um, but 
a, a it's wide a more experimental format, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> you're going to end up with. Yeah, and it's a real. It's going to be contact prints. That'd be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun, and like I said, the thing that I'm just impressed by is the is the it's a, a really nicely made, um, this nicely designed thing. I think it's really cool. Very cool. So yes, that was my fun. Uh, I've been muck, mucking around with that today. So that was your Saturday and your Monday. Yes, <laughs> and and then, and then the Sunday. So um, <laughs> does this does this take us into email territory? Yeah, because you did say there's been yeah. some emails. Yeah, let's let's tackle this email first. Okay, so we had an email from. Uh, let me just find it. Uh, Dale Willis, the lovely Dale Willis, entitled to live stream. Um, <laughs> And this one is actually aimed to me. Uh, it says, "Greetings, Mr. Sunshine, and whoever conned you into helping this week." Uh, that's very much cool. <laughs> the live stream analog spotlight today was awesome. You and Paul make a fine comedy duo. I'm not sure that's what we were aiming for. Uh, <laughs> Rob's input was an excellent counterpoint. I think the way you answered my question on why you couldn't pull your finger out and finish a whole roll of film was insightful. If a oh, was that out. Dave who said that? that yes, was, that was uh, Dale, yeah. Um, yeah. The chat panel was helpful, informative and funny. And we won't mention small cheese-eating animals that squeak. This is so inside <laughs> baseball. Hamish was most definitely on form. Matt outdid himself with the quiz, though I can't help thinking the velvet jacket should have been pink and you should have worn your Sonny's awards gown under it. Keep up the good work. That was the best three hours I've ever had at work. Cheers, Dale. Well done. Um, Well, one, thank you, Dale. There's so much to unpack in that for people who don't know what we're talking about. Um, But I suppose the important part is that, yes, on Sunday, Paul Mackay and I did a three-hour live stream which was insane. And um, we did it from a studio next to Paul's um, business premises uh, owned by Rob called Studio 88. And Rob was un- unbelievably helpful. If it wasn't for Rob, the life stream He had have... no idea, did he, what he was letting himself in for? <laughs> no, he didn't. The, the one him. thing... Poor man. The, the, the one thing he said to Paul was like, yeah, you know, you're more than welcome to come over and use the space. It'd be great. We can do it. I'll help you out with it. I just don't want to appear on camera. <laughs> And, um, what do you think they made him do, Abe? <laughs> did they make him appear on camera? <laughs> they sure did. They sure did. Oh dear, oh I'm dear. Him, I made him take part in a quiz. <laughs> um, but he was great. And yeah, so we had the live chat going. Rach, you were part of that. Uh, Hamish was there. Um, Sam Cornwell was there. Loads of people dropped in and dropped out. And it was, um, it was so nice because it just felt like... Uh, you guys were all part of it going on Um, although a large part of the chat window did seem to be jokes about Paul's Paul's terrible beard (laughs) (laughs) this is true but yeah so there was Q&A there was a conversation at the at the top obviously about um, more serious matters which again we'll come on to later uh, in this episode Um, uh, Q&A Velvet Jacket made an appearance quiz time was great the horn was definitely way too loud for the circumstances there. In our 150-seater uh, sort of stadium, um, that would have been fab, fab. But yeah, I was like, oh no, shrill noises, yikes. So uh, yeah, too, too loud for that space. But the the um, enthusiasm was there. There was definitely a, a like a Faulty Towers uh, bell and everything <laughs> still. So that was okay. Um and uh, and then after that, it was, okay, now we're going to do the whole process and we're going to use Steve's Chroma snapshot um, large format camera from actually setting up, taking the photo and then developing it and getting a 
uh, inverted version um, using the Film Lab app up onto Instagram within uh, 90 minutes. And you did it. You did it. Uh, you did not wear gloves, no matter how many times I told you to. And they even <laughs> waved them at the camera and said, here we go, gloves. And I was like, oh, I'm so proud. And then they put them away. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally just to make me stressed. That was the reason. That was the whole reason I think of that. Um, it was absolutely brilliant, Graham. And I, I, I know I said this on Twitter and I've said this to you in person, but I'm so proud of you because honestly, it's not, that's not an easy thing to do. And um it was it was brilliant that you and Paul like took that on um, as a way of kind of like keeping that momentum going after the disappointment of the, the photography show being cancelled and then our Plan B analog spotlight not happening um, for all the all the right reasons obviously but it, I'm just so so pleased that you were able to do that it was a lot of fun and and it just kept kept a lot of us entertained for for a good. Well, probably more than three hours on a Sunday because we were just probably thinking about it afterwards and laughing and chuckling to ourselves. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. It was it was awesome. Well, it was fun to do, and really, almost all the credit should go. To, almost all of it should go to Paul because he's the one that organised it all. And also, Paul Paul's pretty fantastic at just standing there and chatting in front of the camera. I was mostly trying to find reasons to disappear from in front of the camera. Go and eat Rob. biscuits. And go and eat this. I, I think I would have struggled with that being in front of a camera like that. That that would have been weird for me. I think. Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's. Did you it, get it, Big Brother esque and and forget it was there at any point, Graham? Was was three hours enough or not enough? No, no. I, I <laughs> twenty four hours. What to, at to least. curl up in bed and not, at night with Paul and and slag <laughs> off the other contestants? It's like. Oh. That was there was a moment, Aid. So uh, this was the moment where it could have all all of our hard work could have gone horribly wrong. Is that um, we kind of got to the end, and as Rachel said, <laughs> we took uh, Rob set up this um, light, all these studio lights and everything, and we took some pictures of Paul and one with me and Paul um, using the snapshot. We got it developed, um, and, then, and then because we were running very short time, I had to wipe it dry, which is awful. Never, ever do that. Um, <laughs> just, oh, God, it's, it's still making me cringe at how much of a horrible yes. mess that made of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we did it, and it's like, okay, well, well, that's it, we're done. And Paul went, okay, I've stopped the feed, and we just started chatting. And then after a couple of minutes, hey. like, Oh, they on. hadn't stopped the feed. <laughs> just, oh, really? just yeah, they the hadn't stopped the feed. It, honestly, honestly, it was one of the most stressful moments of my life uh, because I was sitting there, obviously watching this live stream, and I could tell that they hadn't realised that they hadn't stopped the feed um, before. I think other people in the chat had noticed, and oh, I was right. just my heart was in my mouth. Oh my god! <laughs> because Rachel like, knows me well enough to know that yeah. things could come out of my mouth uh, any moment. So. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was uh yeah a dramatic adrenaline rush of an end for me i have to say <laughs> you guys were fine you were just chatting away but whew, it was all all right though it was all okay yeah Phew. yeah <sighs> it was good See? fun it was a fun different way to spend the Sunday um, yeah it's good it was good it is if you go to if anybody wants to see it or see part of it as I said we did um, we did do a little bit of the show that we had planned to do for the live podcast so um, Matthew Joseph had been we had a um, plan for the live podcast oh yeah we had yeah. some bit of a plan yeah um, Matthew had been helping me um, put together a, a presentation for doing a quiz show <laughs> a game show ah, at, yes, at the live yes. show so we did a bit of that Um 
so you can see that on there uh, Matthew I, I sort of came up with the questions and Matthew did amazing work with the PowerPoint um, uh, so thank you so much Matthew because he, he really did put in a ton of work um, and it was nice to be able to use some of it on there um, yeah, I was absolutely. I, I, I was very pleased with some of the random facts I managed to find <laughs> Yes. If, you want to, if you want to learn some really random photography facts, <laughs> uh, it kept, oh, you know, it's one of those things, oh, people can find these questions too easy. No, turns out they definitely didn't. Mm -mm. Um, no, it's great. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, photos and slides and all the all the work that went into it. It was it was lovely to see that. Um, and where did you get that velvet jacket from? Oh, God, you know what? My, um, my search history... <laughs> on Amazon is going to be giving me very dodgy recommendations. I was, <laughs> what I really wanted for the live show was a red sequin jacket, but I couldn't Ooh. get one. So instead, a uh, uh, friend of ours said, oh, I've got a velvet, blue velvet jacket you can have if you want. So I'm like, well, close enough. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that sounds cool. Right? I mean, and it, it wasn't wore, and it didn't fit. It, you oh, yeah. also wore our branded Sunny 16 podcast T-shirts. Yeah, all three of them at once. No, I'm <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you wore yours, didn't you, Graham? So it was, I did. It was awesome. Got to see yeah, that. did you? Do you like? Cause you, obviously, you guys haven't seen them yet because I haven't posted no. them down to you. But, um, <laughs> Not in person, but yes, yes, I was very. They turned out right. Great. That was a, a last-minute mad dash for the photographer show. Like, oh my goodness! Like, every, trying to get things sorted, and finally got the t-shirt sorted literally just in time for the show to be cancelled. It's like, yeah. well, perfect. <laughs> uh, that sucks. Uh, well, I prefer to think of it as that I'm very well organised for the September show. I'm, I've got yes. that organised so far in advance. It's most unlike me. Oh, good. That, yeah, that dress rehearsal has really helped you out. <laughs> yeah, about six months to break them in. Exactly, yeah, because you don't want to be there wearing a brand new t-shirt. You want one that looks like it's <laughs> a bit ratty. So, um, so <laughs> yeah, I'll get you right. You'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, no, that was great fun. As I said, it's um, on the Analog Wonderland YouTube channel um, if you want to go and see what shenanigans we got up to. My, I think my favourite bit was the moment when we were taking Paul's picture. So he's sort of doing quite a lot of standing there. And whenever there's a comment on the chat, it went pop, pop, pop. So you could hear it. So every now and again, Paul would lean in to see what people were talking about. And just the realisation all... Oh, all of the comments in chat were just people taking the Michael out of his beard. And he just kind of broke down laughing for a bit. He really was, couldn't stop laughing for a couple of seconds. And that, he went, you can't really see it on the video, because but he just kind of went quite red and just shaking with laughter. And I enjoyed that a lot. That was, that was that just was... as you were trying to focus up on him, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Using that. the snapshot. So, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was fun. Um, yeah. Uh, but also, you know, there were some there were some actually like good little tips with things like Rob um, office obviously was Rob <laughs> um, getting the like bicycle rack um, uh, sort of like um, things to put the reflector board in and that kind of thing. I was like, oh yeah, that's a good idea because then you can wheel it around in the studio mm. and stuff. So yeah, there was some interesting stuff. And were you using your um, cool Wanderer um, dark cloth? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was because I've not seen that in real life. So uh, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, brought your brought your dark cloth with you so you could focus up, and uh, it was nice to see that in action too. Yeah, people called it a tea towel. A tea towel seemed rude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> never mind. What are you going to do? Okay, shall I read another email? 
Let's do that. Oh, yes. All right. Small. Let's get another email. I've just clicked on my personal emails. That's not going to <laughs> unless you want to hear about the bills I've been sent lately. Okay. Uh, actually, I'm going to save that one till last month for bill two. Let's go with this one. I put star space from Neil Cole. Uh, this one's from, so hello sunbeams have we heard enough about filing systems <laughs> i think i could actually just hear people yelling yes um no not yet i won't bore you with my method but here's an analog horror story so you can see why i had to read this Ooh. one because i love a good horror story that has to do a little to do with organizing negatives my local lab started up a few years ago just as film was starting its comeback. It's become a friendly place to hang around, chat and meet other film photographers. Even my dog loves going in and saying hello. I, wanna, I want to meet this dog that can talk. Um, <laughs> last time I dropped off a roll of film, the owner was introducing me to a new employee and said that I am one of two people who always stop in to pick up negatives. Apparently, the majority of customers get their scans delivered via Dropbox and never bother to return and pick up the negatives. Ah. The lab basement is slowly filling up with boxes of abandoned negatives. No. Are that many people missing the entire point of film photography? So, the first step in any filing system, even one as haphazard as Graham's, (laughs) is to get your damn negatives back from the lab. (laughs) Uh, and that <laughs> ends that, with that looking does sound forward... like a logical first step. You can't file something you don't have. No. Uh, looking forward to hearing you live from the photography show. Well, so, sorry, Neil, but oh, yeah, live on uh, YouTube. Uh, and that's from Neil Cole, who's at XNED, uh, XNedsky on Instagram. Aid, <laughs> um, I'm interested to, because Rachel and I have talked a lot about negative filing systems over the last yes. couple of weeks on backing paper where are you with negatives what's like what's your uh standard practice? i'm quite close to my negatives actually they're in, they're in a box in the bottom of the cupboard next to my desk they're they're not i i mostly in the whatever they came back from the lab in mm-hmm. <laughs> so you meant physically close as opposed I've, to emotionally yeah oh <laughs> yes yes i'm I'm not emotionally close to my, to my negatives no i don't think anybody had accused me of that um i'm uh yeah i i i've kept i i, I the more the longer that i i go on and and the more i shoot the the more uh, i think hamish like my my attitude gets you because know, they've got this thing right where you keep the negatives because then you've got like the the original and you can reprint it and stuff like that and i remember years ago you know being horrified that you know you know my dad had a big clear out of all his negatives from you know from the 80s and 90s he kept the slides from the 70s and 80s but he he, he got rid of a lot all of his negatives and, and i thought that's terrible and i think well actually i've never used any uh, never not once have i ever taken a negative out of that box and actually done something with it i have never had any need to do that at all um, so I don't know. I'm I'm sitting on the fence these days. I don't know. I don't know whether that is. You know, I mean, clearly there are for some people that that you know getting rid of your negatives or just abandoning them would be would be sacrilege, wouldn't it? It would be horrendous. And you know, the the whole point of film photography. I don't think I think I don't think I believe that the whole point of film photography is to keep your negatives and file them nicely. <laughs> for me, is not quite where my head where, where my head's at. Yeah, for me, I think there's a lot of film photography stuff that is, um, is about the is about the aesthetic and 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 rather than about the process. So that's the, I mean that's just for me. It's a personal view. Mm. Um, 
uh, you know, I have boxes full of instant film, of course, as well, um, mm. that are in, let's call them a serendipitous filing system. <laughs> there we go. That's the word that I was after earlier. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I knew I'd, I knew I'd, I knew I'd heard that word at least once yeah, this evening. Thanks, so, yeah, I knew I wasn't using the word for the first time. Um, <laughs> so it's, yeah, you know, yes, they are, they are in a space and I know where to find them and it's good to sift through them. But then there are others. Of the, and instant film is maybe an, an extreme example because of its, its giveaway ability. Because yeah, my kids have boxes of Instax in in their bedrooms, and and there's stuff attached to fridges and stuff, like that. and all of those, of course, are original and irreplaceable, and and um, uh, if not priceless, then at least not priceable. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I don't know, I I don't I I'm not precious about stuff like that. It's their their photographs, it use them, enjoy them. Do, do they need to all survive? Well, not if you take enough of them. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I suppose the thing is that um, if you if you're 100 percent confident that you will never have any interest in trying to make prints from them, then, you know, as long as you've got really good backup and backups of backups with your digital storage, then it's fine, isn't it? So, so do you know what? Nobody cares about my photography. Be well, right, hopefully there, there you is, do. There right? is some. There, um, that's a good question. I'll come back to that <laughs> what in was a the minute. Question? I didn't hear it. Sorry. <laughs> Aid said nobody cares about my photography, and I said, "Well, hopefully you do." Mm-hmm. I, well, uh, let me come back to that in a minute. No, nobody else, at least, it cares. I mean, there are there mm. are certain shots that people like, and there are prints, and people like the prints. Does anybody ever want to go back through the whole body of work that I might produce? You know, in my photography career is the wrong word, but you know, in my lifetime of photography, no, nobody cares. Nobody gives a damn, do they? Why should they? Um, yeah, it's not like I'm taking photographs of important stuff, or yeah, most of the time it's not even interesting stuff. Yeah, not to anybody but me. Um, so, do do I do I care what happens to my photographs? I mean, I'd like some to survive. Do I care which ones? Not particularly. Do I care about all of them surviving? Nope, not in the slightest. Hmm. There's a really beautiful photo that um, Graham took actually, just talking about you know special photos shall we say um that you took of your nan mm, yeah yeah because it was uh, my nan's birthday the other day so yeah i wanged it up on instagram yeah so, so that that's they, those can be special about yeah. those types of photos i think I, yeah i do and i have some photos of people who are no longer with us and and i'm very glad i have those photos uh, i i and you know that that may uh, and i have photographs of uh older relatives who are still very definitely with us and i'm i'm glad i've taken those because <laughs> at some point you know they, 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 those people won't be around anymore and and then i'll make you know i'll have had photographs that are, are really nice photographs of them but do i do i really fundamentally think that they're good photos that other people will care about oh, I, I don't know i can't see that somehow maybe what maybe one or two people who who yeah, but yeah, I it, it just it's not something I really put spend any time thinking about filing photographs. It's just you know um, my digital copies of stuff I tend to keep in in you know at least in date order. Um, you know, and and some of them I I've put into albums, you know, digital albums, and 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 um, and share with other people and stuff like that, so I can get back to them. But 
Well, you've beaten Graham and myself then. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you think? I mean, do you think you'll get to the point where like Hamish will just bin the eggs? Just go Probably, okay. Well, when, yeah. when they turn up, or, so what, or just say time, don't bother saying. When, how long do you want to keep them? And if you've kept them for five years, then you've never and you've never done anything with them. Yeah, you know, does the does the likelihood that you'll you'll want to do something with them increase over time or decrease over time? Uh, is it Mary Kondo? Is it does it spark joy when you hold yeah. it in your hands? No, no, they don't. De- negatives. Maybe don't some spark, of those no. special I, ones I, you'd keep, but no, maybe the rest. I, don't. So, I, 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 I don't care about the film. Mm. I, I just don't. I mean, if 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 it was the only backup of a really special photograph, then yes, I, I, yeah, I could see then that there there would be a good reason for making sure that I I had that. But if I had a really good quality digital scan that was uh, of that image that was in 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 multiple different places to mitigate any risk associated with losing one copy. Um, no, I wouldn't care about the negative then either. Um, yeah, I, I, I suppose yeah. it's if you've got different things like um, different scanning abilities over the years, you know, like if you'd started shooting, I don't know, 10 years ago or even six years ago, the scanners would have been not as good quality. You wouldn't have had as, you know, that 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 kind of like quality of the copy, I, the digital copy, if you know what I mean. So Possibly, although you could argue that nobody's making scanners anymore and actually mm-hmm. the scanners yeah. that are, you know, get, get them scanned now because that's the best you're ever going to be able to achieve because once all the scanners yeah. break and nobody makes anymore, then yeah, then we're all in a bit of bother, aren't we? So, yeah, but, but, so then you've and, got things like Pixelator and you've got the yeah. your digital cameras and things. So I guess I was tr- trying to figure out whether you would feel like it's worth holding on to them so that you could create, the, you know, a, a better copy in the future or anything like that or if that's just like no I've got a copy of it it doesn't matter if if I was into technical photography maybe Mm um uh but I'm not, and and most of my negatives. Well, I suppose it's a split between one twenty and thirty five mil. Um, you know, the the scanning technologies we have today are not going to suddenly get more resolution, uh, or uh, out of a out of a a. a piece of negative film or are there uh, you know are they going to make my holger photos in focus <laughs> no <laughs> no scanners that good so i i don't know i just i i you know you and, and if i want to print them well you give me a 10 megapixel image and you can print it as large as you like i i, I don't know I, I i know this is going to sound very strange to some people but for me it, it, enough is it, enough is enough i don't need the ultimate of anything really yeah, no, I think it's fair enough, and like I said, especially if you are a hundred percent confident that you're never going to have any interest in doing any actual physical printing in a dark room, then they don't serve any purpose. So, um, like I said, I think that's the thing for me is like, okay, I, I know I'm gonna, at any time I might want to dig back through and find stuff out. So, I'm probably ought to get better at it. But no, I don't see anything wrong with it. If as long as you've got good, reliable. Um, storage and you, are you pretty good about making sure you've got your backups and stuff like that yeah yeah i mean i i, I have backups of yeah of stuff yeah that's that's not going to be my the thing and and yeah obviously the you know um zombie apocalypse aside um mm-hmm. uh it's it's not something that's going to bother me too much i've got cloud backups of, of a lot of stuff not of everything because half the stuff you know of the of the better ones or the ones that were actually in focus and you know captured the subject i've got cloud backups of that and i've got you know um local disk backups 
I mean, just on the desk here beside me, I've got two RAID units. So I've got four drives with with all the all the photos are on each one of each of four drives, oh, and that boy. so so you know that's just a, a very easy RAID system. You know, you, I throw it onto one drive, and and it just gets copied and backed up across the other three. So you know. Um, it's unlikely that all four drives are going to fail at once uh, unless my house burns down then i've got probably more problems <laughs> yeah <laughs> no that's uh, fair yeah. enough dude that's fair enough yeah i'd, I'd be interested to hear what other people think about this cuz yeah I, I i i have a sense that my view is is slightly different to to the norm but yeah maybe it's not yeah but it's not yeah. unique like i said hamish no. is hamish doesn't keep his negatives um you know, so if you if you don't ever plan on doing anything with them, they are just pointless clutter. Um, so yeah, I can. You know, it's a bit like I've got um, a cupboard with loads of four by six and seven by five um, prints in from when I used to get all my color film developed at Boots. I take it in, I get the prints done, and, we, and like, and a lot of them just weren't great because you know they just were, you know, the pictures weren't great I took out the ones that I liked put them in albums and then I've just got loads of them and like well I ought to just chuck them I, at some point I probably will just go through and just chuck them because they're just taking up space and they have no value at all to me so I need to go through and clear it out okay uh, we've got is there another email yeah I've got a couple of quick ones here well actually one quick one then the last one so mm-hmm. um, this one is from Nick Marshall uh, who writes in hello sunflowers just a quick note about the Polaroid camera Aid got for Christmas I don't know if you've identified the camera but it sounded like a Polaroid 600 Job Pro um, hmm. since you said it was yellow was it yellow? your camera's not yellow no, it's, it's blue got yellow. it's blue <laughs> it's, it's, it's got yellow on it and it has a close up lens um, hang anyway. on let me get it out of the cupboard it's right here <laughs> Oh, it looks like a um, a whale, doesn't it? it like does a humpback like whale. whale. Right. It is. Did, a, did your daughter a whale put with a sunny sixteen podcast on sticker it. on it? No, no <laughs> yeah. we haven't done that yet. Oh, is, she's um, going to put some googly eyes on, wasn't she? So it says it. made in the United Kingdom. It is blue, and it looks like it could be a whale. Um, uh, let's see if I. Oh, it's got a yellow. The the um, shutter release along the side is yellow. Yeah. Ah, maybe that was the confusion then. Uh, yeah. And if I open it up, there's a couple of yellow buttons. Um, so actually, that's quite good. So I'll move it on. It just says so, 600. Yeah. Yes, so, 600. Uh, this, this is the important point, actually. It might be useful if you haven't figured this out yet. So it said all of these 600 cameras can actually shoot with the flash off. You just use the shutter button behind the main shutter button. So where your shutter oh, button there's a is. Little blue, there's a little blue one. Yes, yeah, behind so you, the yellow one. Yeah, I never noticed that, that before. Ooh, yeah, there you go. That's um, very cool. I didn't know that either. Did you know that, Graham? I don't think I did. No. It says Brilliant. G- generally you should use the flash for anything less than ten feet away. You can skip the flash for shooting through a window to avoid reflections mm-hmm. or distant scenes, but don't try to shoot in low light without the flash. Nope. Good the tip. Slowest, thank you. The slowest shutter speed is only one third of a second. Um, there's a link here to a manual. Cheers from Nick Marshall. I said, P.S. If you think the Polaroid 600 flash is bright, try shooting photos of friends with flash bulbs. I recommend M3 number 5 or press 25 bulbs for maximum impact. <laughs> They'll be seeing stars for a good long while. Uh, they used that in um, uh, Rear Window, didn't they? Did they? I've never seen Rear Window, which is perhaps a shameful what? admission. <laughs> Sorry, no, I've never that... watched it either. So. <gasps> oh, you. My 
favorite, second favorite film of all time. <laughs> oh my goodness, you guys. Okay, well maybe that's our next live um, stream. <laughs> Sounds good to me, right? Just, uh, just uh, us watching Rear Window. I'm sorry, I cut you off before you announced who'd written in. No, no, no. I said that was Nick Marshall. And um, yeah, thank you for that tip, Nick. Because uh, as it turns out, none of us lot knew about the um, uh, flash-free shutter. So that's yeah, good bit of advice there. Yeah. Awesome source. All right, one last email, which will lead us on to the end of the show. And this is from the lovely Bill Thu, uh, who writes in to say, Dearest Sunbeams, I wish my third annual email to the podcast were more jolly than sombre, but events mm. seem to be overtaking mm. us. My own workplace, a hospital in Sydney, is clearing the decks to prepare for the pandemic. And this is want to leave you a little philosophical, particularly in that period of a phony war before the real action starts. I'm not quite sure what to expect. I have never seen our health services devote so much thought and energy to one entity before. It tends to leave you nervous and a little breathless. It's still quite at work for the moment, though. I have taken and developed my shots for the FP4 party, uh, which the um, sharing part of that is this week, so Twitter should be a buzz with that. My don't call it a project project of mastering <laughs> Instax with the Mint camera RF70 got a boost when my free film arrived. I am still allowed to travel domestically and will be in Dubbo for clinics in a couple of weeks. I am still hoping I will be allowed to go. The night, skies, the night skies are so clear out there. Taking photos after work, uh, sorry, yeah, taking photos after work at night are so meditative. After that, it is predicted to get a little busy. And after all this is done, I'll give my loved ones a hug and say bloody hell, <laughs> and I'll take out my camera and make photos, and my soul will be lifted a little with every shutter click and image, as it always is. And one day I may even get good at this, but don't wait till then to hug your loved ones and don't wait to make a photo if you can. And wash your hands, stay safe and look after each other. Love you all from Bill Thu. Uh, thank you very much, Bill. Um, Bill, very much on the front line. <laughs> it Absolutely. turns out. Yeah. He sent me a fabulous photo, actually, because uh, there was one that he'd uh, he'd taken um, down a, a sort of a street or an alley in in. Um, in Australia, actually, and uh, I think it was Melbourne. I, I could be wrong with that. Uh, I'll have to double check. But yeah, he very, very kindly just sent it over to me so I'd have a version of it, which is lovely. So um, yeah, thank you so much, Bill. And uh, again, it's such a an excellent part of our analog community. You know, shoot film, be nice community, especially. And uh, yeah, it's much appreciated. Thanks so much for your email. Yeah, and like to everybody out there, I think. We were talking about this before the podcast started. We're all facing something which none of us have got, none of us have been through before. Nobody, nobody alive now. Uh, well, maybe some, maybe somebody was unlucky enough to be alive through Spanish flu as well. But almost everybody alive now has no experience of something like this, and that's what makes it so scary. Um, and it is. And there will be people out there listening who are vulnerable to this and there'll be people out there listening uh, who have members of their family or close friends who are vulnerable to this. And there'll be people out there who are just incredibly worried and anxious about it and and being made ill <laughs> because of that, because that's understandable too. Um, but we will get through this. 
there will as bill said is it there will come a point where this is all done and we can just say bloody hell pick up our cameras and go out and take pictures again um but yeah interesting times yeah we'll still be podcasting eh? we will still be podcasting because as you guys pointed out right at the beginning we can do that safe in our little boxes can't we <laughs> Yeah, as 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 long as the the hamsters in their wheels that keep the internet rolling um, uh, are still going to be there, then absolutely we can keep doing this. Um, and uh, and of course we're not the only ones, are we either? Which no. is as, as as good a segue as any, I think, because you know we, the uh, we got a little addition to the show for this week um, that comes from uh, my other podcast. <laughs> um, I, I, I know I have two so podcasts. Good. Go figure. One of them, yeah, and uh, and it it is, it is different. Um, it is the, of course, uh, as many listeners will know, it's called the Future of Photography, and it is a, a podcast where we we look at. Uh, trends uh so you know, societal trends uh, in photography uh, as well as equipment and other things as well um and one of the things that happened this week um is that we 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 all logged into a recording session um but uh there were some technical difficulties and mm. as an impromptu conversation uh me and my buddy jeremiah uh who is a professional photographer and filmmaker and artist from los angeles actually he's not from los angeles that's just where he lives now um, uh, we ended up having just the two of us uh, a conversation about photography in times of crisis um, and some of that was, was quite lightweight and frivolous it was about well I want to buy a new toy but the factory can't make enough of them um, more of it though was about the the impact on photography uh, the impact and the impact of photography in times of crisis be that social documentation uh, be it you know historical record or or, or political comment um, or communication communication of messages for safety uh, and uh, looking after each other communication at a very personal level to keep people in touch while they may not be able to meet up in person so you know there's a whole bunch of stuff in there and uh, we are going to uh, tag that podcast to the end of this podcast um and uh yeah hopefully um that'll resonate a little bit with people find it interesting um and hopefully we'll have hit a good balance uh of uh, of the the frivolous and and the slightly weightier conversations where there's there's a a lot of important stuff to think through um so uh yeah um hope you all enjoy doesn't seem quite the right word <laughs> I don't know, Graham. You, you've listened to this already, haven't you? You've had, you've had the opportunity to listen to this. Um, for those that uh, are um, do do subscribe to Future of Photography, it's the show that went out Saturday morning, actually. So it's already out there in the in the big wide world. Um, but Graham, do you you know, any 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 caveats or words of warning for people who are going to listen to the end of this? No, show? no, no, no words of warning. No, it's just it was an interesting exploration. Um, I think it's it's really easy. It's easy for us to see how things might affect us, um, but it was a good conversation to look at the broad things, how how it's going to affect others, um, what other things we can thinking about, uh, you know, all aspects of it. As you said, the documentation of it and stuff like that. Um, I, I, it was it was an interesting conversation you guys had, and uh, yeah, I'm glad we're going to get to share it on this because I think it's definitely worth listening to. Um, because like I said, this is, let's sincerely hope. Well, it's not even a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You know, Not everybody has these things happen in a lifetime, but um, let's hope it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing for us. And, uh, yes, novel situation for us all to deal with. So, yeah, I think it was a good conversation. But, no, definitely no trigger warnings, I don't think. Okay, all right, good. Well, in which case, then, uh, I guess it's time for us to say goodbye, isn't it, um, for, for the three of us just now? 
so thank you everybody for for listening uh, to our impromptu uh, or at least changed agenda show for this week uh, go and check out graham on youtube uh, where will people find you on youtube graham i uh, see so if you go to the analog wonderland um youtube channel uh it's there yeah it's there just look for the three hour one i think there's only <laughs> one that's three hours it's probably more content than the whole of the rest of their videos put together <laughs> probably <laughs> yes um and uh, so uh, yeah everybody go should go check that out uh, rachel anything that you want to point people to to check out this week uh not at the minute i don't think um only we- the article i guess oh um, yes sorry yes silly me yes go to, we, we the one we talked about earlier i'm sure there will be a link in the show notes but uh yes uh, lomography.com uh, and then uh, it's one of the latest uh, they, they have a section of their website called uh, called magazine and it's one of the most recent um, uh, articles in the magazine section of the Lomography right. website so you can people can find it there excellent yeah. alright well in that case then uh, without further ado um, uh, as always it's been great to, to chat with you all uh, we'll be back next week goodbye goodbye the future of photography Hey, Jeremiah, how you doing? Oh, we're doing well amidst uh, global malfunction on every yes, level. Yes, uh, on a number of a number of levels. J- just two of us today, because one of us is, is stuck in limbo. Uh, Chris, poor Chris is stuck in limbo um, uh, between trips, and he's having some stuff cancelled. And, and Ema, uh, Ema has had a power cut and, and doesn't have any signal for us to talk with her. So, so just thee and me today, and it's a bit of an impromptu conversation about crises yeah we thought we'd talk about uh being a photographer whether it's commercial or artistic or just a hobbyist but in the world of viruses and social isolations and care what do you do how do you how do you deal with your gear how do you deal with uh interaction among people if you were a photographer of concerts how do you make a living? Will wedding photographers stop oh, shooting yeah. weddings? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a whole kind of domino effect to what's going on, and it is global, as we know now know. Yeah, so, so, so for those, a bit of context for those listening in the future, uh, firstly, well done for surviving the global meltdown, <laughs> <laughs> um, or burn up, or whatever it is we're in the middle of, um, uh, uh, and and uh, and also, why are you listening to old podcasts when you've got a, a world to rebuild? Um, no, but more seriously, as we record this, um, we're, we're in the midst of uh, coronavirus globally, we've got uh, well, you've got elections on, which uh, which is is a social upheaval in in the states at the moment, isn't it? Um, you've it is a big one. All all sorts of stuff going on, um, and uh, so you know, with with a, with a pared down team, we thought we 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 try and try and figure out what that means um, for for us um, as photographers, um, which is possibly a tangential uh, link to, to to our core themes for this week. So please forgive us. This uh, we're 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 reacting. Um, I, I guess we could start off with some some very definitely photographic news. Um, uh, e- Eagle listeners will will have heard me uh, talk about the photography show um, uh, that that's been coming up here in the UK, which is a uh, it's the biggest photography trade show um, in in the UK. Um, although of course it's it's not as big as your traditional photo kina. Um, uh, four days before the show is due to open, uh, it's been postponed. It's been postponed uh, from March to September, so it's been postponed by six months, um, purely because of coronavirus. 
so my my weekend is is going to be quite different um my my professional working week is also quite different um because i i'm no longer traveling it to offices in london so I, i'm using uh, either satellite offices or or or, or staying at home uh, and working from home um and yeah uh, they haven't quite got to the f- to, to the point yet where all the schools in my neighborhood are closed but i know that there are some schools in the uk that are closed now yeah, here in uh, in L.A. and certainly in Northern California, University Stanford, uh, UCLA, USC, they're all um, doing classes online, so no more classes uh, live. Um, NAB, which uh, those techies among you, big big tech show in Las Vegas, biggest of the year, canceled. Um, there are many openings of uh, Hollywood films. Obviously, a lot of business get-togethers are canceled and people are starting to think about social isolation. So, for example, how does that affect one's photography if one was a professional wedding photographer, say? Are weddings being canceled? That's a good question. I assume they are. Um, Not only canceled, but what does that mean for your business if you know, your your business is based on social dynamic and we are into a culture of social isolation. How does that affect your business? Well, it would uh, affect if, my it would affect my business quite substantially over time. I think in the short term, uh, given the 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 work that uh, we're doing for our clients in our business. Um, we we are fortunate enough to be able to do that remotely. We're we're reasonably well established with those clients, and you know the, the you know there's a there's a, a relationship in there that's strong enough to allow for remote working. But to find new clients, um, that that would be challenging. At, uh, yeah, right at this point, um, I think so. Uh, yeah, it's it's a, a wedding photographers. I, I think weddings and and other what you might call medium sized events. Um, uh, I think there's definitely risk there, isn't there? Sure. I mean, if you were having an art opening, for example, that probably would be canceled. Um, Small theaters are going to suffer. Uh, Large theaters may be able to weather it. Um, The movie business is certainly going to take a dive um, just in terms of openings. The TV business, however, I, I predict is going to explode when people just stay home and do Netflix and chill. Um, yeah, I, assume, yeah. I assume there are going to be a lot of drinking as well and a lot of <laughs> macro photography. <laughs> They'll only be drinking until the booze runs out. So, uh, do you know, that's it's a, an interesting thing about uh, on a slight, actually a slight aside. It's not a slight aside. It's a complete aside. I went to see Parasite at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Awesome movie. Oh, yes. Very, very good and, and very timely and very global and uh, explores a lot of the economic dynamics that are happening globally. Um, brilliant movie. I hadn't thought about that actually at that level. I just thought it was hilarious <laughs> in a very dark way. It's, it, it's very, very funny. Um, uh, and, uh, and then, uh, and then a bit chaotic towards the end, but, but in a good way, but yes, I suppose, I suppose it is. It, there's definitely a lot of, um, uh, a lot of metaphor in the imagery there between up and down, isn't there? And sunlight and darkness and, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah the, the cinematography, uh, yeah, uh, there's, there's one bit, 
um where the uh the the poor family i can tell you this this is not a spoiler the poor family has to leave the rich family's house and go back to their own house for a bit and they they must go down about three miles of staircases (laughs) (laughs) do you know that um all of those were built on sound stages they're all sets beautiful beautiful sets you you really felt the uh, reality Um, wow really that's that's quite epic sized stuff yeah, beautifully done. I mean, you know, masterfully done. So that was, you know, that's good. But we're here to talk about the future of photography and what does the future bode for those of us or uh, who are um, interested in photography of people, people in groups, um, or traveling. Uh, every time one gets on a, you know, a silver tube with three or 400 people, uh, some of them sneezing, coughing, etc. cetera, uh, tray tables and the like, are we risking our health? Uh, that is going to show up. So if you are someone like Chris, <laughs> who is uh, trying to lead uh, tours um, around the world in photography, that is definitely going to affect him. How does the dynamic of the virus affect the individual photographer who's just off to do landscapes in foreign countries. So I I think that there, you know, when you start to kind of appreciate the nature, even in a small way of how the moment we find ourselves here will affect what we photograph, how we photograph, how we get to where we need to photograph and what kind of adjustments will come out of that, I think we can expect over the next few years some real shifts in the kinds of imagery we're going to see. I I can't say I know what that is, but it feels like we're going to be seeing something different. Well, let's let's try and speculate a little bit then, because yeah, you know, what you you know, travel photography is is an interesting place to start because there's some obvious blockers, aren't there? But and and you know, are you going to get? Are we going to continue to send Nat Geo photographers uh, on assignments around the world, or, or yeah, you know, can you imagine Nat Geo full of cell phone pics shot by locals? <laughs> um, I well, mean, we have we have citizen I, I, journalism. <laughs> I I can imagine that, though I do um, uh, I can't, for the love of me, um, believe that the dedicated photographer will not find a way, whether it's um, by car or by boat um, or or possibly you know uh, collectives of private air. Uh, travel that that reduce the cost somewhat or that companies um, must actually abide by and and embrace the cost of sending their journalists outside of uh, um, socially dense uh, travel mechanisms, whether that's subways or trains or planes. Well, certainly, that's, but yeah. cruise ships. It's um, that's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, it there's because for me that also links to uh photography is social documentary uh and certainly you know uh the the more new newsworthy you know headlines global headlines kind of stories and, and global events that need to be documented in in some way in some journalistic fashion there's there's the olympics next year i think is it next? could you no yes no is no, it no, this, no, year? this year no it's this year, this isn't year. It? the olympics is is this year isn't it yeah hey could 
could one imagine um, what the Olympics would look like without anybody there? The athletes are going to be uh, competing. <laughs> Will we see <laughs> camera operators in hazmat suits? Uh, what about the um, athletes themselves? Where are they going to stay? Um, how does that affect performance? Um, so th there is that to consider. Um, not to mention, how would that affect a network that's paid billions of dollars for the rights to broadcast um, that is left with programming for four weeks empty? Oh, so, yes. Well, and, and the people that work those, those, those things as well. I mean, yeah, they, yeah, I have a, is he a distant relative? He's my wife's cousin, so he's not that distant. And he's a, he, amongst other things, uh, does, does some work as a camera operator. And he spent the Rugby World Cup last year out in Japan for about four weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of people who, who would be doing that, representing all of those global networks who have TV rights for things that are going to are going to struggle. It's definitely a big I mean, there's definitely as, as there's a hit on business around the world. There's definitely potential for for hit on on photographers who travel for photographers locally. I mean, you mentioned it yourself, wedding photographers and event photographers. Um, uh, events are uh, are being cancelled left, right and centre. So so you know, if it's not weddings yet then certainly larger events public events and corporate events are being cancelled and so there's going to be a, a hit there um, we should probably also talk about uh supply chain uh, and manufacture oh, because we should definitely do that because yeah. the you know uh, uh, as a as a hobbyist um actually <laughs> i'm trying to train myself not to buy so many cameras actually but but you know the, there are those of us who might say okay well the business of photography is is not what i do uh, so, you know, what impact is there on me? Well, I mean, I, my, my you know, as a photographer, as a hobbyist photographer, my, my travel could be restricted in some way. It's not yet, but, but it could be. Uh, and, uh, and if I was in the market for a new camera, I'm seeing lots of announcements already, actually, of, of, uh, cameras that have been, um, uh, well, cameras that have been announced, and then there's a second announcement coming out saying actually we we can't build them because our supply chain's broken because of coronavirus. Um, yeah, and and how will that affect um, the demand for you know film, which uh, I believe you are a, a great participant in the film photography world, and I have been known to dabble. <laughs> that's right. Uh, how much of that is um, manufactured abroad or locally and how does the transport of those goods um, affect the supply chain as well i mean it's not that, that is an interesting thing because th there are th there are not that many manufacturing plants for photographic film anymore there's half a dozen or so worldwide basically so um, unless i'm unless i'm missing my guess um uh, the, there's a, probably at least one in Russia, one in Eastern Europe somewhere. Uh, there's one in the UK. There's one in upstate New York. Uh, there's not, there, there, mu there must be more, but I, I, but uh, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um, so it's uh, yeah, there, there's there's all sorts of things that that are impact, uh, and not just uh, you know, it's not just the the short term impact of can I get my new toy or not? Because that's a really selfish view. I'm going to move the conversation on in just a moment, right, to something that is actually a bit more socially aware, right? But but uh, there are smaller companies who could suffer irreparable damage. You know, um, 
to to their lines of business through through an an extended thing like this um you know imagine imagine that you're 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 barely getting by anyway because you know the the market for photographic products has is decreased over time um uh, and the the numbers of of camera sale sold are, are getting smaller and smaller every year by by you know a large proportion um the, the there's got to be some who are right on the edge of of sustainability um well i think that will be true for airlines certainly uh you know uh kind of the the companies like carousel those kind of oh, we lost one in the uk last week or was it earlier this week i forget yeah. a company called flyby which is a great little company did a lot of short short hop routes a lot of twin prop jobs um and uh uh, yeah, they they went under. They yeah, the the coronavirus was the last straw for them. They were already suffering, but the coronavirus was the last straw for them, and they've they've had to to call it quits. Uh, there's an airport down the road from me. I say down the road. It's about forty miles away, um, where ninety five percent of its traffic was from that one airline. So overnight, ninety five percent of the traffic through that airport has just gone. Yeah, what does that mean for the vendors there, for the baggage handlers there, for all all of the oh, kind tons of, of jobs? Yeah, literally th- across the airline, and then the airports it impacts literally thousands of jobs. You know, uh, very much at risk now if no other airlines pick up those routes. Now so. we also talk about like Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, uh, the the gig economy. Um, how do they protect themselves? How do they stay home? How do they self quarantine? How do they stay alive? Um, I think a lot of that is we're about to see because we are in unknown territory and back to photography for a moment, you know, yes, there will be people out there um, in what I assume will be protective gear that will be um, shooting empty cities and, and kind of showing us the kind of the, the, effect of what's going on the fear that people have whether it's justified or not um and that will create uh, i'm i'm sure a, a kind of a micro genre of the images of empty cities it's <laughs> my prediction <laughs> it, it could prediction. well do do you know what though that actually you, you are starting to, to to bend the conversation in a way that i was hoping would be a little bit more uh, a little bit less selfish uh, and a little bit more socially aware which is that actually photography of course plays a very important role in documenting what goes on in the world um you know and and uh, especially in uh, especially in times of celebration or and crisis or or any extreme really um uh, there there i guess there's plenty of photography that celebrates the mundane but um we're, we're not living in a mundane situation right now and you know so uh, I, uh, to, I think to pick up I, I, on what you just said, uh, those images of Wuhan empty were terrifying and amazing and very powerful. Ah, good. Okay, yes, thank. Yes, good point. I, I hadn't thought of it quite uh, for, for, from that angle. Yes, um, I was thinking more in terms of you know, as I often do when thinking about photography. I was thinking about people and and and, and documenting uh human human suffering you know what happens inside a, you know what happens to a family when where uh when somebody is is very sick and what happens uh to to workplaces but i guess yes you might end up with a, a lot of photographs of empty places or or at least sparsely populated everybody wearing face masks and things like that it's a it's a sort of i don't know i don't want to paint too apocalyptic a vision and of course what i've described there is 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 a very westernized 
aesthetic as well speaking of office buildings and 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 what have you but um it, it's uh yeah the 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 there's a lot going on here isn't there there's the, there's a lot on on the other hand there are you know a, a lot of young people it seems um who are taking advantage of significantly lower airfares to go to places that they would never have a chance to travel is that right and, okay yes that is right and uh you know with the adage of well if i die i die so um <laughs> okay I, it's something that only people <laughs> young enough to think they're invincible can say exactly <laughs> but i but i think we will see images from that particular subset of culture which could be very very interesting fascinating and possibly reassuring that uh, our imagination could in fact be worse than the reality it's very possible that we are uh, kind of overreacting to something and uh, one just has to look at the movie contagion several times to you know be affected as steven soderbergh movie uh, that will show you how um, these kinds of viruses spread, like wildfire, fire. But you know, on the other on the other hand, uh, it may be that just by kind of putting a lid on it and slowing it significantly, that there will be enough research done globally and um, interconnectivity of countries to kind of support each other's research, which would be amazing in this period of history, um, to find some kind of vaccine, which within a year and a half or two may just put a lid on it and, and this too shall pass. But if one is um, in the, in, you know, in the near future or the present, uh, we're, we're talking about in every kind of aspect of photography, it will be affected um, if you're like, for example, if you were just having an opening, your first big opening that you were just, you know, <laughs> betting the bank on. Uh, there's no way to do that anymore or there won't be soon. Uh, how does that affect how you present your work to the world? Um it, will galleries really be a by appointment only rather than crowd events? Um, if your work is seen in um, in a kind of very distilled fashion, one on one, how does that affect the um, the experience of seeing the work? Um, is the online uh, presentation of work, which is already kind of I, I think more uh, powerful than anything in terms of the art world, will that just become the way to experience um, the art image? Will we be moving away from the object until this calms down? Um, gear, you know, when you're shipping gear, um, you move cases through all manner of, of countries, customs, and handlers. When you get your your gear, will you be assured that it's safe? Was it sprayed? Uh, is there, you know, is, is there a moment where the overreaction or the um, considered reaction of the kind of uh, powers that be uh, will start to uh, affect your gear in ways that may deteriorate it? 
you know. Mm. Um, I've seen, I, you know, I'm not sure what you, I'm not sure what you mean by that. Actually, You know, I, I saw, um, in, I forget what city it was, but these huge trucks driving along the streets, spraying what I I only Mm. imagine is a very, um, intense chemical. I mean, hopefully maybe it's just alcohol, but who knows what it is, uh, and, and how, you have no control over whether or not that truck roars around the corner. I'm saying these are these are small um, issues for any individual, not as as powerful as what this does to whole social classes. And here in LA, we 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 worry about our homeless population not having access to health care, not having access to medical services, which will soon be overstressed. Um, yeah, and, and that which is already happening in in Italy, and not just for homeless people in Italy, the right. the, the medical yeah. services are already significantly. No, here too. Yeah, here too. Uh, yeah. Um, um, but but then is it the responsibility of journalists, photographers, to go out and really tell that story? I believe that it will be, but the care in which one will then approach it is going to be different. It, it is. It's an it's a, it's a, it's a moral and ethical dilemma, isn't it? You know, I'm I'm sure I've I've mentioned uh, before. You know, the very famous photo of a I think a, a, an Ethiopian child, you know, at the point of of starving to death, with, photographed uh, with a, a vulture sitting in the background, um, which uh, at the time uh, I forget how many years ago it was was a, a very famous photograph. There there is a there is a a moral and ethical dilemma for photographers in in the way they approach this stuff, and it, it's a very very fine line to tread. Um, it, it, it's, it's troubling. I have to admit, you know, we, we try and ask ourselves the question, you know, what does this mean for the future of photography? And we've discussed, you know, we, we speculated on lots of stuff. I, I don't think that's necessarily, I think that's possibly too lighthearted a question for the situation we find ourselves in. Um, but it's, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, be- best wishes to everybody that, you know, that out there who, who is, um, who is suffering or, or who knows somebody who is suffering. But it is. Uh, I think there is a role for photography in in a crisis, um, uh, and I hope that uh, those that seek to take that role, because often it, it's a voluntary thing to do to go out and do these things. Sometimes, yes, there's an uh, there's a blend of of social documentary uh, with, with with personal business goals, and that's that's okay. That that's that's okay. Everybody has to eat, um, but it's uh, you know, I, I just trust that you know it, it's. Um, it's treated sensitively. Um, I, I agree. I, I agree. There, there is a major role for photography in demonstrating a the compassion of of uh, people to people in terms of dealing with this crisis uh, and all crises. Um, there is a role for artists to express the human condition of the moment or to try and and connect with people to say through the work you are not alone what you are feeling is is a it, there is a commonality to it um to try and bring people together in a way maybe unconsciously there's certainly um a, a role for for um the citizen photographers to um capture uh moments whether they be tragic or elevated um to show that that people will survive, they will get through this, and 
your friends will still be there even if you're quarantined for two weeks. So there is a way of connecting with people, whether it's through Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, uh, et cetera, et cetera, that uses photography to reach out and speak to other people. Um, and finally, I, th I think that, that when people are moved inward, and, and I say this in a kind of more metaphoric way, not just in a room, but having to kind of pull back from social dynamics, there's a different thought process um, that starts to occur. One can become depressed or one can become very uh, excited about new ideas, new ways of, of looking at the world, um, new ways of connecting with people, um, and new ways of capturing what it is we would like to put out there. So, so there could be some unintended consequences that are actually very positive in the long run um, that really help us understand how, um, how precious social dynamics are and separating us is one of the things that is so uh, antithetical to the human DNA, the human genome, the human lizard brain. <laughs> I think that's a really nice place to sum it up. I think we, uh, <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, that in, in the sense that it's possible to end on a positive note, a conversation like this, <laughs> uh, I think, I think you've achieved it. So uh, I think we, I, I feel, I feel we should skip the picks of the week this week. Um, well, maybe masks and 95 masks <laughs> okay now you've uh, ruined and surgical it <laughs> and surgical it. gloves <laughs> all right okay now you've done that and ruined ruined the whole vibe um <laughs> uh, have you ever seen uh, we'll, we'll end on this then have you ever seen the movie perfect sense no okay this is a movie from uh 2011 i think it's ewan mcgregor um and it and it's a it's a story uh about a, a global pandemic um at first everybody loses their sense of smell and then some time later, everybody loses uh, their sense of taste. And uh, uh, and one by one in this global pandemic, uh, the senses that humans have available to them are, are taken away. And and uh, it doesn't. Let's just say it doesn't end well. So it's possibly not. <laughs> <laughs> and that's your happy beat. Right? Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Let's go back. Let's go back to your bit. Yeah. Actually, you know, using photography to to share information, using photography to communicate with with loved ones. Um, yeah. That that's 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 where we should end this conversation. So so on that note, um, stay keep safe, everybody. Yeah, keep, keep taking. Yeah. Keep taking pictures. Stay safe. Um, and uh, we'll be back next time With around. A positive, uh, on a positive note. On a positive note, That's yes. Great. Okay, take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Hold up. 